Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Charles Carrillo. Thanks for being on the show, Charles. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Charles is a managing partner of Harborside Partners, a Florida-based real estate syndication firm with over 250 doors. Charles also hosts the Global Investors Podcast, where he interviews professionals about investing in U.S. real estate. Charles, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. And uh, you know, Charles and I have known each other, I don't know, for a year or two now and, and been on each other's podcasts and met at maybe some events. I can't remember now which events and stuff, but uh, it's been neat to see your progress and looking forward to hearing more about your success and and where you've come over the last few years. But give the listeners a little more about maybe your background in real estate and let, let's dive into some things you've learned and, and help them as well. So I started investing in real estate in 2006 and multifamily in 2009. I uh, purchased my first commercial property, which was a small mixed use. I still own those properties and I, I self-managed them for six years. I moved to Florida in 2012. So I was forced to put them in professional management, which was really the greatest thing that happened because I was very active with the properties and it allows me to kind of stand back and let the properties operate and really get the passive portion of real estate to, to work for me, which a lot of smaller mom and pap landlords don't ever get. And then now down in Florida, we're working on doing syndications and uh, small joint ventures. Nice. So you purchased those properties, commercial property, and you self-managed for six years. That's interesting, a transition you talk about there, because I feel like a lot of people kind of get stuck in that mode, right? I'm going to do it myself. I'll do it better. I can't trust anyone else to do th- these things, or, or I just don't want the expense either, right? You know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I can save that money if I do it all myself. Can you just speak there? While we're on that, can you just speak to just that mindset shift a little bit and, and how that maybe changed your mindset after being forced to hire somebody, you know, how you think differently now about that? I think it was something when I look back on it, I was crazy at everything <laughs> I was doing. And it's really, I mean, it was down to, I remember like when I was self-managing at the beginning, I was doing everything, mowing lawns, like snow removal. It was in the Northeast. So that's, that's a normal thing all through the winter. And I was unclogging toilets. I was getting calls. I was showing up Christmas Eve. I remember one time I showed up on Christmas Eve to unclog toilet. So it was, it was something, it, those type of things. And then you start thinking and you start realizing that the, the lawnmower, easiest thing, it doesn't matter. It can be mowed on Monday or Wednesday. No one's going to trip and fall in the grass. Like that's easily can go get outsourced, right? And then it was small things with making relationships with different handymen and even self-managing, but just having the access to the people where I'm just passing calls much more. I mean, I know a lot of landlords that do that now. They'll never go out to the properties, but they'll take the calls and they haven't outsourced that portion. So it's definitely a learning experience and I wouldn't trade it because now when I'm dealing with a property manager, I know exactly what's happening and what's going on because I've been right where they are and right where maybe that handyman is or one of their workers that's at the property or collecting rent and how you have to, with C-class real real estate, you are, it's not always what it says in the lease and you have to work with tenants and stuff like that, especially where we are now in time. But it's it's something that it's priceless when you look back on it. But then there's, I could have done it a lot better, which I guess everybody would say about their experience in anything. Sure. 
there's a process, right, to learning all these things. Some of us, it doesn't come as easy as others, but uh, or we have to learn the hard way. I know I've had to do that on numerous occasions. But uh, on that note, you know, let's just let's dive in there a little bit from beginning of your real estate career to now. And, you know, 2009, you bought that first property, and now you're doing a lot bigger things and growing your business. And maybe we could talk about some of the things you would have done differently now that you have been in it, you know, numerous years and, and experienced some success and know a lot more now than you did 10 years ago. When I started out, it wasn't my 100% idea of doing it. I grew up in real estate. My dad was a multifamily investor and he was really pushing me after I got out of college, buy a multifamily place, buy it. And this was before house hacking was really a thing. And that's exactly what we did. But that was my first investment. And I, so I didn't really know what I was doing. It worked out pretty, pretty good for buying in 06, bought again in 08, and that was better, and bought again at the end of 09, which was a home run. That's another thing too about, I think like timing the market's not really a, not really a thing you can do in real estate. I think you have to consistently be reviewing the markets that you're interested in because there's not triggers or indicators that are really blatant that this is when I should buy, this is when a bear market's starting or whatever it might be. It's really just knowing the markets that you're investing in. And that was something that I would have done more of where I consistently, because you know, a lot of real estate investors that were buying in 08, 09, when 2011, 12, 13, 14 and on came around, oh, this is way overpriced. This is overpriced. And look at where we are now. I mean, it's 2020. And I bought properties I thought was at the top of the market in 2018 that we're refinancing now and pulling out a lot of our money. So it's just just knowing that and being a little bit more strategic on what my goals were, I think is another lesson I learned. And that's really, I wish I had sat down when I started investing in real estate and really sketched out, this is where we want to be in 15 years or 10 years. And this is kind of my plan. And then get that to an actionable weekly and daily task that could get me there. Nice. So help us walk through that a little bit. Or have you done that now? You know, if we think out 10 to 15 years, like this is where we want to be, I think it's a great exercise. It'll probably look a lot different once you get there. But without a plan, I mean, where are you going to go? I mean, and you don't have anything to to balance it on or, or to see, you know, if you're even making any progress. How did you do that now? If you think out 10 or 15 years and really reverse engineering, right? And thinking, okay, down to a daily basis, what do we have to accomplish? What are some steps you did to, to make that happen? I think if you were on a deal sourcing side of the syndication, you're going to be saying, how many brokers do I talk to today? How many brokers do I follow up with today? How many deals am I underwriting today? Really check that off, that, that box off every day and saying that I've moved forward and doing those little steps throughout the process are going to get you closer to your end goal. If you're on the money raising side, maybe it's having so many investor calls per day. Maybe it's reaching out to people in your network per day and not like, you know, 150, but maybe I reach out to two people a day, right? And maybe I have coffee twice a week, or maybe I get on a, a phone call or a Zoom call, go out to two meetups a week or get on two virtual meetups a week and really just get it. It's amazing once you get started. And I imagine it's in any business, but real estate, when you, people see you doing things, right, being active, even if you haven't closed it, I could be at a conference and I post I'm in a conference and people will just message you out and say, hey, wh- what are you doing? Let's get on the call. People that are, have more units than I have, they see someone that's proactive, they see someone that they want to partner with that's rising. And I think that's for you start just people like seeing people that are active and working with them. Those are the steps that I would take to figure out where I have to be in that one, two years down the road. Yeah, I know there's a listener that's thinking, well, wait a minute, Charles, there's no way I can do all that. 
right? I mean, I just, I'm only one person. How did you grow into that? But, and I think an initial step is it's great to list all those things out, like you're just talking about, or how do you even know that they're getting done or not? How did you begin to grow into all those things and, and accomplish all those things? I know, you know, you've also hired many virtual assistants and done different things like that. Was it through virtual assistants or how did you do that? Yeah, I really just get the low-level tasks off my plate with virtual assistants, and that's very easy, and anybody can do that. If you have websites, a lot of people in this business will have a personal and a business website. You know, you can get that stuff off your plate, have someone manage it, have someone help you with content, place to content, post content on all these different platforms we now need to to be relevant these days, and that's something easy that can be done anywhere, and I think the conversations you know, you're not going to have, or I wouldn't have, if a virtual assistant reached out to me to invest with someone, I probably wouldn't return the call or email. It's something that has to be done by an operator telling me exactly. And that's where you should be spending your tasks, uh, spending your time on those tasks. And those are really your high level thousand dollar plus an hour tasks that you're working on that can't be really replicated by anybody else. And then figure it out and say, if I'm on the deal raising side, right, the capital raising side of the deals, I need so many investors in my database. And I need to say that this many percent of investors will invest in deals I bring. And this is my five-year goal. And then break that down and find out where I need to be. And then you can kind of gauge your you can gauge where you are. And the other thing too is it's, it's the effect of the snowball effect where you are, people start seeing you at meetups. And even if you haven't stood up and said, I have like th- thousands of units, people see that and people that are more experienced from you will are more likely to work with you if they keep on seeing you. I have people that have never done syndications before that reach out to me that I talk to on probably a bi-weekly basis. Usually most people just fizzle out. So the people that have and you'll probably see this too, Whitney. People ask you, I want to do a syndication and then you never hear from them again or I want to do something that, and you'll never hear from them again. But the person that keeps on contact with you that's actually making progress in what they're doing, you say, you know what? I do have a deal that might work for you or I do have a task that I could use help with and that would be great. Nice. And I like how you you know, you know separated the low-level tasks versus the $1,000 an hour tasks. You know, I think it's important that you do separate those, right? You know what they are. And like you mentioned in the beginning, you know, you listed out those tasks or figure out when you're reverse engineering those goals. You know, It kind of starts there and, and you're building into, okay, now what's important for me to do and still get these other things done? They have to get done, but it's like mowing the yard like you're talking about. I don't have to be the one cutting the grass, yeah. but it does have to get done. No, that's awesome. Do you have a way that that you track those tasks or that you you know, have some kind of workflow or task management or any kind? Of, and I've heard of people using like smart sheets or different things like that to track these processes and procedures. Yeah. So software I use, I use Slack with my team and I have virtual assistants on that as well. I personally use Trello. Trello is great for keeping my tasks organized. I do a lot of time blocking with uh, Google Calendar, which is great because I can block time that I need for all my activities, especially my high-level ones I do uh, as early in the morning as possible. When I'm passing tasks off, I will use, we use Asana or we'll use Trello for doing that depending on how difficult they are. But really, people I think get really frustrated when they hire a virtual assistant and it doesn't work out or they're not trained and they don't want to put the time in. And I was reading somewhere before that for every hour you want to outsource, you've got to really spend 30 hours to outsource that task correctly. And that might be a little exaggeration, but it's a it's like the 10x, right? If that's what you're focusing on, then you know you spend an hour on the task for a few weeks, you make sure the person does it flawlessly, and now you can really move on to your your higher ticket, right? 
tasks that you handle yourself that can't be replicated by many people, no one else in your organization. Kind of like teaching a man to fish or giving him a fish, right? You know, you're, you're teaching them how to do that task so you don't have to hold their hand later. And, uh, and I love hearing about just different software, different things people use like that because uh, there's so many. Choosing something like that and getting started is key as well. How have you seen that change now down the road? I mean, now that you know, you, you've had more success, your, your team's grown, maybe some keys or success tips that you have in, in training that employee for, for future growth. Whenever I'm working with anybody, if they're in a different time zone, you'll find some of your tasks are done by people on the opposite side of the world. So when you're doing that, I really spell it out in the sense of maybe doing like a desktop video. I'll do if they're editing something for images or something like this or a website, I do everything, really spell it out and paint, send it over to them and have them finish it give them an idea. And really, you, a lot of people are very visual and that's something that you can work with and you just have to know who you're working with. But don't get frustrated. Start when you're, when you're hiring your virtual assistant, your first one, let them know it's going to start with just a couple hours and a couple tasks a week. And then you're not overwhelmed. And then start listing out what you're doing every day. So enlist that what you don't like. That's the main thing. Those are easy tasks to, to work on because you don't want to do them. Make a list of what you can outsource, what you don't want to do, what's very time consuming, and just speaking with your assistant and seeing exactly what their capabilities are, what they can work on, what they've done before, and then just kind of add on tasks as you go. And months down the road, you'll have someone that's going to be taking a lot of hours off your, off your plate that you can now spend on, like you were saying, the high, high ticket tasks. What are some ways that you've been able to scale? You know, what's helped you to scale and how do you see that moving forward? I think knowing exactly what your specialty is. And then when you're partnering with your groups or you're partnering with other people within your organization and you tell them that I'm focusing on this, it's going to be something I'm, you know, this is what I'm mastering. It's important to know about everything else. So someone sells me, sends me over a T12 of underwriting, I can review it. I know what to look out for. I can take out numbers and put in numbers that I think and kind of get an idea that's maybe fits more with my thinking for that project. But I'm not going to be the one that's going to sit there and put in the numbers. So I'm not going to do underwriting, right? That's not going to be something I do. So it's really figuring out what your, what your special sauce is that you can add to, your, to a syndication to a group and then making sure that everybody else complements it. Maybe you have one person that's like you in the group as well, but you have other people that round out what you're not good at or what you don't like doing. So I think that's a huge factor in scaling. When did you figure that out? You know, and I know a lot of people that, you know, when we first get started, it's like, like we talked about earlier, almost is we're going to kind of do everything and that's going to keep you from scaling, right? It's going to keep you small or long-term. When when did you figure that out and and say, okay, this is what I really like to do. And I'm going to find somebody else to, that's much better at underwriting than I, than I'm going to be. I found that out when I was starting to review deals and larger deals and finding out that broker relationships are really a full-time job and reviewing the deals that they send you and giving them quick within 24 hour feedback on those deals, even if it's not full underwriting and then performing full underwriting on deals that you see that kind of pass your preliminary guidelines. Right. And I was spending so much time doing this that I was like, Oh, you know, I've got to do this and I've got to raise money and I've got to make sure, and I've got to do all these things. And I said, you know what, it's easier to partner with people that might be, have this all set right? They've spent the years, 
They built relationships with these brokers in these areas that I want to target. They're focusing on properties that are similar to what I'm looking at. They have a similar game plan with what I'm looking for our properties with a similar hold time. You know, we're on the same page. Now let me focus on just doing this task or these couple tasks really well. And then I can bring the most value because someone that's a, an accountant and you're not a good underwriter, they're, they're just going to be redoing your work. They're going to be questioning you at any point. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be helping anyone. You're just wasting everybody's time. How about finding those partners? Any tips on finding them and then, you know, ensuring that that's somebody you actually want to partner with? It's a lot of going to meetups, right? It's a lot of networking. That's what I'm saying. So now it's a little bit more difficult, but you know, the first two or three years I was involved with uh, syndications, it was tons of networking. I mean, at events, uh, I, Whitney, I saw you at all of them, you know, every other month and you're meeting with new people, you're talking to people. Um, a lot of people, it's a very small community, commercial real estate, especially the multifamily portion of it. And you're going to run into people that you spoke to on Facebook or on different social and somebody they emailed you, you had a call with, and you're putting face to face and you're going to find other operators and you ask them what you're, what they need. And they'll say, you know what, we have, you know, A and B, we just need C. And you say, great, I'm C. And uh, maybe let's have, you know, have a call and do it that way. And there's a lot of people that are doing the same thing you're doing and they just have different specialties. So it's really getting out and uh, talking to people and networking. And that's a little different now. It's probably even easier in the sense that uh, you can probably attend more of these, all these virtual events that we're all getting invited to. But it's really just getting out there, finding people that are similar to what you're looking for, markets, everything else, and kind of just filling in where there's a void in their group. I think it's a big mindset shift there too. Uh, this, uh, and I've heard it so many times. I know you have that this business is such a team sport. And I've learned that just time and time again, it is. Uh, it's just all about your network. And it's hard to syndicate a deal by yourself, even if you understand the business extremely well. There's so many moving pieces. Charles, what's been the hardest part of this syndication journey for you or process? I think the hardest part is getting started for sure. And it's really figuring out, finding the partners, finding partners that are a little bit more experienced than you and kind of providing them value. And then also once you have experience working with people, I like to work with people that are, that are as experienced or maybe more experienced than I am and bringing people along that probably don't have that experience and having them assist you on the way while they're building their experience and everybody helps everybody. But I think, like you said, the big mind shift where you have to change that mindset and make sure that you're really focusing on building the business and there's going to be a lot more people. It takes a lot more people to go to take down a 400 unit property than a four unit. And you're just going to be taking down those small properties if you don't want to partner with anyone. So it takes a lot. It's not going to be something you do right away. It's something that you'll hear over and over and over again. And then you go, you know what? I've got to do that. <laughs> for sure. Uh, how do you prepare for a downturn? How were you, were you prepared for, for this downturn? I would say that when we went through 08, we just kept the units rented. We weren't doing aggressive value adds. We were just making sure that tenants were in there. Properties were maintained in a ready sell condition. We weren't raising rents too high. We were doing inflation type and in, uh, increases and just making sure we were keeping good tenants, keeping the turnover as minimal as possible. So that's something that I think it's, you're going to see where we are now. And it's already happened where a lot of value add 
has paused or has been minimized or pushed off. And holds aren't five. They used to be three years and they went five. Now they're going to be seven or 10, which isn't a problem just to make sure that your investors are on board with that. And that's going to be the safest way where you have the longer term debt, you're going to have reserves, which are now really required by L lenders. So that's good. I think that's the best way, reserves and long-term debt. What's a way you've recently improved your business that we can apply to ours? I would say that working with different virtual assistants for different tasks, it was something where putting everything and really incorporating technology into it, where you can, everything set on schedules. So I can put something on a calendar, they see it, they do it, and there's not the back and forth. And I wake up in the morning, let's say, or I finish a call and something's done. And that's the best way. And that's when you feel the most fulfilled when you've been doing something like being on your podcast. And then I get off and someone has posted something or done something that's going to help the business. That's something that I didn't have to do. So incorporating technology with what you're doing. Is there a a specific piece of technology that we haven't talked about already that, that you use for some of that? No, I would just make sure that it's something that your virtual assistant is comfortable and already uses. That way that if they're on it all the time and they're working with other people, they'll see the notifications. It's also making sure that when you're scheduling different tasks, they're putting you ahead of other people depending on when stuff is due. And you want to make sure that you know when I have virtual assistants, I keep them kind of as remote employees. I even bonus them when we close on properties. Because we're all in it together and that's something that they don't get from any other other clients. And it doesn't have to be huge, but it's something that shows that, hey, the whole goal is us to buy property and manage property. And if you help me do that, hey, you're going to go above and beyond if you know this is what, what's going to happen, right? So, Yeah, I love that. I try to do the same thing. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now? We've been doing a lot of going through different groups that we're part of, maybe if it's on social media and reaching out to different people that we've spoken to before. The other thing too with investors, which is very interesting because I used to, when I put people into my CRM, you say, this person wants to be a a general partner, right? I'm not going to send them any new deals that I have, right? I sent out a deal to someone that that was a general partner that does their own deals and they invested passively in one of my deals. So now from now on, Whenever I speak to anybody, even if they want to be a general partner, I go, hey, listen, do you want to see deals that we, that we see? Because I would like to see what other people are up to. I want to be investing in more deals than just my own. So it's something that always ask someone, right? Whenever you're talking to someone in real estate, are you interested? You know, throw them on your deal list, have it separate from your general. So they're not hitting, you know, you're not getting your newsletter. If somebody doesn't want to get your newsletter if they're a busy professional. They might just want to see the deals every few times a year, right? So that's another thing too, is just making sure when you speak to them, because anybody can be an investor. So really go through a database and ask them every time you speak to them. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Having a strategic plan and sticking to it and really avoiding the shiny object mentality where you hear something different, you go, wow, that, I can make some good money doing that and I'll do that. And you're not going to be successful. I mean, you can think of the people that are most successful, they've built one business, right? Or maybe two. And maybe they built that second one after the first one was very successful. So it's something if you look into other successful people on how they focused and the amount, when, the more successful you are, the more you're like a magnet, the more opportunities are going to attract you. And if they're passive, that's one thing. But if they're active investments and someone wants a lot of time and just be very careful with your time to whoever you give it to, because you can't get it back. Time is so valuable, right? Most valuable commodity. How do you like to give back? 
I do a couple different ways. I do monthly giving. I run it on my personal website where uh, different charities for different times of years or different, if something happens and an event happens, I like to give that way. I also like giving back in different ways, local with time, which is a little different now than what it used to be with a lot of places closed down. But in a normal pre and post COVID that I will get back into doing more volunteering at my local level. Nice. Charles, so grateful for your time. It's been neat to see your progress and just, you know, your syndication business growing and, and what you've accomplished and, and you just laying out some of those high ticket things that, that you've done to make that happen uh, through this process. And some of the things I know the listener and myself can can implement today to move the needle forward and really think think bigger, right? Think further ahead down the road and, and putting those tasks in place and, and even thinking of hiring people. So grateful for your time. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. So what I do is anybody that's interested in investing in real estate, you can come to my website. Uh, it's charlescrillo.com, or you can go and set up a 30-minute call with me, which is on my website, charlescrillo.com, or just go to schedulecharles.com. It goes right to my scheduling page. And if you want to be active or passive, let's talk about how we can work together on uh, curtain deals or uh, future deals. Awesome. That's a wrap, Charles. Thank you so much. Thank you, Whitney. Have a great day. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.